elegant weapon for a more civilized age. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to An Elegant Weapon, episode 344. My name is Jay, J.M. Clark, Jay the Jedi Ross, a Ross Jedi Jay, and as always, it's so wonderful to have all of you here with me in the L5J studios. Speaking of which, after almost eight years and 343 episodes, this will be the very last recording that I bring to you, recorded here in the L5J studios. That's right, we are moving on. Lots of opportunities happening for me and my family out in Hamilton, Ontario, Canada. It's about 30 minutes away from here in the saga, in the L5J. Uh, We're going to miss Clarkson. I've spent a great deal of my life in Clarkson. I left a few times, but I always seem to come back. I don't know this time because we're setting up shop for what feels like for good out in the Hamilton area. Cute little house on the mountain we got, so it's very, very exciting. Uh, But unfortunately... Uh, yeah, it's sad. Uh, eight years, 343 episodes, of course, not all of which were recorded in the basement, because we go to a lot of Kamikans and stuff. Uh, you know us and our gorilla pod, but uh, overall, it's been eight years of recording incredible conversations with amazing people. Uh, thank you to all and any who ever Skyped into this basement or came on down uh, to sit in in the studio. Um, it's been a wondrous, wondrous adventure. And uh, I can't thank you all enough. I'm going to miss the L5J Studios. I'm going to miss my little wood-paneled cement basement studio, but that's okay because we have uh, many more good times to come over in Hamilton. Can't wait to set up the new studio. Have not yet christened it, but we'll think of something cool. Uh, So uh, we'll bring you something special uh, in honor of this being the very last recording from the L5J Studio, and that's our very, very last little bit of content from this year's great Philadelphia Comic-Con. That's right. The star of Shaun of the Dead. Uh, Hot Fuzz. Paul. uh, Into the Badlands. uh, uh, So much cool stuff. Uh, Ladies and gentlemen, Nick Frost. Uh, We had a very cool panel. A very awesome Q&A, and he was absolutely adorably wonderful and sensational. A super nice guy, so down to earth, so chill. Uh, he put me at ease immediately, which led to a really fun panel. So uh, there you go, kids. Nick Frost, closing out our very last episode. Introed to you via the L5J Studios Clarkson, what what? Please enjoy. We've got a microphone for questions right over here at the front. So Nick and I are going to have a little chat, but if you have any questions, please feel free to line up at the microphone here. And uh, we will take your inquiries, but I get to start. Uh, I've had the pleasure of doing this con for a while now, and of course, I always start with things that are of personal interest to me. Okay. Because I have the microphone and I'm selfish. Sure. Right. So, whenever I have a guest who's been involved in a certain franchise, I always go straight to that. That would be Doctor Who. Okay. So, not only getting to grace Doctor Who, because I'm sure you were a fan for years. Yeah. Right. Uh, but getting to play an iconic character like Santa Claus, yeah. how was that experience? Uh, I really loved it. I mean, I was a fan, and then when you got a call from your agent to say they want you to be the special guest for the Christmas special, and that character is Father Christmas, uh, it was amazing for me. Uh, odd th- I think I told this story to someone, so I feel I told it to you. I'm sorry, but... Here's a thing that you may not know, but when you do Doctor Who, you have to pay for your own food, which was a really odd thing for me. I kind of imagined that it being the biggest show in the world at that point, you'd just kind of get fed. So it's an odd thing that when you kind of 
the runner says, oh, what would you like for breakfast? And you order breakfast and they, they bring it to you. And then he says, oh, that's £4.60. I was like, oh, I'd never heard that, that you would have to pay for your own food on a set. Strange. It is really strange. <laughs> yeah. But, uh, you know, it's Doctor Who. It's, I'm not yeah. going to say one. <laughs> no, How I'm much not. of a fan were you growing up? Um, my Doctor Who was Tom Baker. Right that on. was my guy. Yeah, yeah. Um, and then, I don't know, I just kind of fell out of it for a while. And then I, it, uh, Matt Smith kind of re-lit my imagination for it. Um, yeah, I like it a lot, you know. What kind of comedy influenced you growing up? Um, my, my first kind of... Um, You know, I remember watching a thing called The Young Ones. Oh, yes. Um, with, with my mum and, and dad. Yeah. That was a, I think I was only like 10, but that was the one thing that I was allowed to stay up for. Because <laughs> my bedtime was like 8 o'clock at night, and this right. was on at 9.30. And I remember this was the first thing that me and my mum and my dad would actually stand, sit, and, and we together would laugh at a TV show. That's I'd, I'd never had that before, you know. Right, right. Um, moving on in your career... We get to a little movie called Shaun of the Dead. Sure. Uh, I believe, yes, I believe influenced by an episode of Spaced. Wasn't there a zombie episode of Spaced? Yes. And then Simon and them decided they wanted to make more of a movie out of that? Yeah, I mean, I think, you know, Simon and Edgar and I were always such massive fans of George Romero that right. we always wanted to make a zombie film. And we had so much fun shooting the little segment um, in space, where they've been up all night right. playing video games, and then everyone they see feels like you know they're in a video game. Uh, yeah, we got offered the chance to do it, and was it as much fun to make as no, it is to watch? No, it wasn't. No, no. it was tougher. It was tough. Yeah. It, it was really tough because it was. Um, I don't know if you know this about London, but it rains a lot, and so you know everything that we wanted to shoot seemed to be outside, and the weather just killed us. You know, we lost like a week. Oh, yeah. And everything we, you know, we needed to shoot tons of stuff. Right. And it, we just never had enough time. And, and it was, I don't know, it felt like a big step up from doing a TV show to then doing a feature film. Right. Uh, right. It, it felt like we were messing with our big boys. <laughs> you know <laughs> nice. what I mean? Yeah, the yeah. crew were different. Yeah. The crew seemed somehow yeah. tougher. Right. You know. Right, right. Did it feel like things exploded after that? Uh,. Yeah, I guess, you yeah. know, it's difficult when you're there because it's, you're kind of working from job to job trying to pay your mortgage and, you know, it doesn't feel like, whoa, I'm now in the Beatles, <laughs> you know what I mean? But yeah, yeah, we did yeah. a press tour for Shaun of the Dead and I think we did like tw 20, sorry, I just noticed there's a whole quarter of a room over this side, hello, hey. Uh, you know, we did like 20 US cities in 25 days. And wow and showed the film and people loved it and then we did exactly the same when we did Hot Fuzz. Right. I think we did 26 cities in 31 days. Wow, yeah. But the difference between doing those, those going in and introducing the movies, it was like we'd, you got a sense that people really loved Shaun of the Dead, you know, it was like right. coming here touring as like cooler shaker and then coming back and you're in the monkeys you know what i mean it, yeah yeah you feel like a tangible oh was wow it, people was it released here in britain at the same time or was uh, it... no i think it was in britain first and then okay and then it kind of word of mouth we, we did australia and new zealand and then came over here you know? right right i'd expect those movies actually as much as Shaun of the dead seems uh, a little difficult to pull off the movies cut a little bigger, Hot Fuzz, World's End. Yeah. I would think World's End was actually quite a feat, the effects and the, yeah. the digital action yeah. in that. But yeah. it just, you know, it just feels like you're... I mean, I think everything we do, not just as a group, but also individually, right. we try to want to do as much and put as much of it on the screen as we can. And of course. For it to be cool and right. fun and you can watch it a bunch of times. And, 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 and for these things to to mean something to people personally, you know. I oh, yes. That's yeah. what we try, well, we don't try and do it, but, you know, we make, we've always made films and, and things that we care about and we want to make each other laugh. And in doing that, we've never tried to dilute what it was that we thought people liked. It's right. just, there are a group of people in the world, all over the world, when we share a similar sense of humor, and that just happens to be kind of us, us lot, you know.
Absolutely. So these movies break out, and you're you know, relatively well-known at the beginning as a comedic actor, right? These are hilarious movies, but they give you the opportunity to start branching out into some really cool other stuff, like Pirate Radio. Was, I loved that movie. You were so fun in that movie, because it was a turn of such a solid character with a little bit of humor in there, right. but, but a really, you know, not just a, a comedy, like way more depth in that movie. Was that a, a good experience? Uh, yeah, I, I lo yeah, I love that film. I've never. That's the only film I've done where uh, I got to work on a ship, right? Which was amazing because we right. shot a lot of it on a big ship. And you were actually out there, did they yeah, make sets? Yeah, we were. So were you in well, the, in the small cabins shooting? Like? Well, the, a lot of it was. We had like a room this big, and they built the ship inside the okay. studio, right? And then each each cabin had its own set. Yeah. But there was a massive ship that we used, and it was odd because every day we'd get on board. And then it, we'd spend an hour going out to sea, and then they'd drop an anchor, and we'd shoot all day. <laughs> Weird, eh? And then at the end of the day, the, they would send speedboats for the actors, and we'd climb down this rigging <laughs> on the outside of the ship, and then go back to base yeah. on, on, on a, 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 what's it called, a speedboat. It was right, amazing. Right. And Phil Hoffman, you know, Phil Hoffman was on that film. And oh, yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. Amazing, you know, it was... Yeah, uh, yeah, Phil Nye, like... Phil, oh yeah, my gosh, uh, yeah. Reece Darby, you know, it was... I mean, morally, it's kind cast. of dubious as a just, film. It's yeah. morally dubious, but I guess it was the 60s. Oh, there was I don't know a if that's few conflicts going anymore. on there. <laughs> right? Yeah. yeah. Um, uh, oh, sorry, we do have a question. Uh, would you like to ask your question? Absolutely, thank you. Thanks for being here, Nick. It's, it's great to see you. Thank you very much. Um, love you on Into the Badlands. Thank you. And how much fighting do you get to do, and how good of a fighter are you How in much real fighting? Life? Yeah. Okay, uh, so um, we, I do all of the fighting. We do all of it. But, I mean, obviously, there's a great stunt team there. And so if they want to do, like, my character, Baji, doing a backflip off a billiard table, with the best will in the world, I just can't do that. So there's like an amazing guy called Brian who, who will do the backflip and then we'll shoot that bit where I stand up ugh, into the shot and then run out of shot when we do those. But, but all, the, all the fights and stuff, um, the guys that choreograph the fights, they're all part of Jackie Chan's stunt team. Oh, so no. they all just speak Cantonese or Mandarin and there's like 10 of the guys and they they we let them have the studio and oh you can see me i don't i don't have to turn around uh we let them have the floor and they will construct like a 10 move fight and then once they're happy with it the guys will light the shot and the actors go off with the stunt team and learn the 10 move fight uh, and then we'll shoot that. Um, and once they're happy with what you've got, you then do it all over again. And sometimes the fights take 10 days to shoot, but it's just bit by bit by bit by bit. And it, it's, um, I was really keen when we did the fighting that I wanted them to tailor the style of fighting to what I could do physically. Because even though there's a few times where you see someone do a flip and it's, my stuntman, and it just doesn't seem in keeping with him as a character. So I wanted him to be like a wrestler and a brawler and a bit dirty with some rudimentary martial arts skills, you know. Um, and so I think they kind of tailored a, a nice form, you know. Awesome, thank you thank so you. much. Where do you, where do you shoot into the Badlands? We shoot into the Badlands in Dublin, in Ireland. Oh, really? Yes, I think there's a big tax break there. Right. Are you still exclusively living in the UK, or do you yeah, have a I live home in, here? I live now? in London, but right I lived on. in Ireland last year for ten months. I guess so, right? Yeah. yeah yes, yeah, it's yeah. fine. So I'm hoping once Brexit happens, Ireland could take me in <laughs> as a political refugee. <laughs> Excellent. We have a few more questions, it seems. Hi there. How are you? Hi. Hey, Nick. Um, fighting with my family was a lot of fun. Thank you. Did you know any? Oh. Um, he really startled you then, didn't he? <laughs> um, did you know anything about the world of like super independent wrestling going into that movie? Uh, yeah, I was a big wrestling fan going into fighting with my oh, family good. anyway. So I knew about Paige 
I'd seen the documentary, and I had actually uh, personally wrestled quite a lot in my own life, you know, just with mates and backyard wrestling and, and mucking about. And I, I'd had a terrible injury uh, wrestling Simon Pegg once. Um, <laughs> we were shirtless and we were very drunk and we were wrestling on my bed. So it was a terrible <laughs> setup for some fan fiction. Uh, but the odd, the, when I tell this, it makes my girlfriend laugh that we had guests, there were people in our house and Simon and I had drunkenly broken off to have a wrestle. Uh, and so we were wrestling and I, we did that thing where he got, this is gonna sound terrible, but he got his legs over my shoulders and I leapt into the air and I, I did a massive power bomb on him on my bed, which I'd bought from Ikea in 1986. <laughs> and the bed literally vaporized in, in, into pieces. And so two things happened at that point. I stood up and my thumb was hanging off of my hand. And then the guests that we had all ran in to see what the commotion was. And so everyone started to try and pick my bed up to try and fix it. Oh my God, let's get this. And I was saying, no, let's leave it, it's fine. It's, it'll be fine. And as they lifted the shell of the bed up, there were two Ikea bags full of 600 pornographic magazines. Uh, and that was the last time I wrestled in my house. Wow. There's a way better answer than I so could have imagined. Yes, I've, I have wrestled. Thanks. Thanks. I, I have to ask. I uh, don't still have them. <laughs> what kind of experience is it being involved in a project with The Rock? Like this, oh. he's just like we all obviously. He's such an online and inspirational guy yeah. and such a positive guy. Is it that in real life? But it's um, just I never met him. You never did meet <laughs> no. him. No. Okay. We uh, we did the the the. the um, the premiere at Sundance Film Festival a few months ago. Right. And he turned up um, to, to do the premiere. And that was the first time I ever met him. Oh, yeah. And I was a fan, you know, I was a oh, fan sure. of The Rock. Yeah, and yeah. I love watching Stone Cold and Triple H and The Rock, you know. Yeah, yeah, I just had was, to ask. That was my era. Yeah, he's but like I was a... nervous of meeting him, you know. I didn't <laughs> Even know... you were nervous meeting but him, it's yeah. The, it's The Rock, it's the rock you know. Yeah. I, but I, I tested like three or four different versions of the meat. Like, uh, when... <laughs> when I was in the hotel. But uh, Sundance, uh, the place that they, um, yeah. it's like River City or? I can't say. It's really high, it's like 9,000 feet. And no one told me this, and I suffer really badly with uh, altitude sickness. So it's not, I couldn't breathe when I met The Rock. Oh yeah? But he gave me a look as if to say, oh yeah. He has to say, <laughs> oh like, he's fat, he can't breathe. It was like, no, I, I can't breathe, we're so high. But it was a really weird vibe yeah, then, and that yeah. kind of sullied the rest of the meat. Yeah. Well, that's how us uh, panel moderators at most show feel most of the day, you know? I've gone over <laughs> how I'm going to say hello to you yes. like six times over the weekend. Yeah. Oh, what do I say when I meet him? I stay it was cool. very quick in the end. I was like, hey, hey. Yeah, it ends up being, hey, what's up? Yeah. <laughs> how are you doing? Hi. Hello. Are you Hi. feeling better? A little bit. OK, good. <laughs> um, what was your favorite uh, scene to shoot in Shaun of the Dead? My favorite scene to shoot in Shaun of the Dead. Um, um, let's have a look. I think any scene where you get to sit in a car with Bill Nye for a week. <laughs> we sat in that Jaguar for ages and shot so many different versions. And he was just, he is amazing, you know. He's a very cool man. And he just, he just sat and every now and again you hear him like, quote some lyrics from, from Public Enemy, or he'll, he'll drop a line from a gangster rat, and I'm like, Jesus, Bill, what? Like, he's just cool, he's just a cool man. Oh, that's you know? too much. So that was kind of cool, and it takes a while to get the pluck to hit someone in the head with a, with a spade or a cricket bat, because it's not in my nature, you know, so <laughs> every now and again, Ed would come over and say, no, you've really got to hit them as hard as you can. I was like, right, you know. So that, with zombies, you know, I'd always wanted to shoot a zombie film. Yeah. I'd always wanted to shoot a zombie, you know, so <laughs> it, was a, it was a dream. It was a dream for me. Thank you. Thank Excellent. You. Thank you so much.
How are you today? Very fine, thank you. Uh, one, of, one of my favorite films is Hot Fuzz, but one of my favorite things was the press tour that you and Simon and Edgar did. And my question is, and it's gonna be a little inside, is how many cakes did you wind up flushing <laughs> and have you flushed any cakes ever since? <laughs> okay, has anyone ever seen the cake flushing videos? So, when we did the Hot Fuzz press tour, like uh, the big thing around the States, it happened to fall upon my uh, birthday. And then if you do a film and it's like the film company sends you the biggest cake in the world. Uh, and then like I got back to the hotel and the hotel had left a really massive cake in the room. And then my, my wife at the time, she'd, uh, who was in London, she'd sent a cake over from London. So I got back to my room and there was like 20 square meters of cake in the room. <laughs> and we got, one night we got really hammered and I said to Edgar and Simon, I'm gonna fucking flush one of these down the toilet. Because <laughs> I have a theory about American toilets. It, it, and you can probably flush a corpse down one of them because they're incredible. Because <laughs> in Britain, you, you can barely flush urine down our toilets because they're very weak. But here, they're incredible. I mean, they're incredible toilets. Um, if your culture crumbled and died today, those toilets will be around forever. And I think that's something. I think that's something to leave. But the toilet in the hotel that I'm staying at, it's incredible. I mean, so I think I'm gonna try and flush a bit of cheesecake tonight. It's Excellent. not a whole cake, but they do cheesecake. So I was thinking last night, I might flush a bit of cheesecake. But yeah, so in the end, I flushed like all three of these cakes. And I tweet, I put them on Instagram and stuff or whatever social media it was at the time. But then I did Jimmy Kimmel like a week later and like he got, he got someone to flush a cake live on the show. It was kind of incredible. You started a cake flushing. It's a flushing trend. cake. I mean, in hindsight, uh, I mean, it's terribly wasteful. Hey. Uh, oh, hi. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, maybe I could flush like an orange instead, as just saying something about the planet. I'd like to know how carrot cake would flush. Uh, listen, in an American toilet, you could flush whatever you want. <laughs> That's great. <laughs> Thanks so much. How are you doing? I'm doing very well. Uh, Nick, your movies are awesome. Oh, uh, I've seen Hot Fuzz like a thousand times. You need to get out more and meet I, people. I don't want to. Um, my question to you, though, is uh, all the gun scenes. Did, what was the training like? Um, for what? For uh, the movie Hot Fuzz. Oh, the, the gun scenes. There was their gun training. Oh, I see. Um, yeah, I mean, we did bits and pieces. It's always, but it's, it's, it's kind of... Uh, you know, the gun scenes, when you train for gun scenes in Britain, you can't even fire guns in, you know, so they just show you... Shame. Yes. It, uh, so you can have a little fiddle around and they let you fire blanks and stuff, but it's not like, you know, I lived in, in, in Palestine for two years when I was 18 years old, so... Really? I uh, knew my way around a semi-automatic weapon, so I think that helped a lot. Um, and... Uh, yeah, I mean, you don't get to use guns at home very were you, much. Were you in the military? Or? No, I wasn't. Um, they, I think they wanted me to be in the military, but okay. it was either that or get married. And so <laughs> I fled the country. <laughs> I'm I out flushed here. myself down in the Israeli <laughs> toilet and escaped the country. Right. Thank, Thank you. you. Thank you for your question. Right on. That's, uh, sorry, just one sec. That's something I'm actually curious about because the earlier years, uh, not too familiar with. Um, so when you came up, was like comedy your focus, or did you just kind of happen uh, that way because of you and Edgar and No, and not Simon? at all. I was, um, I left London. I ran away from London when I was 18 years old, and I went and lived in Israel for two years. Um, uh, I probably shouldn't, I can't legally talk about why. Sure. Uh, oh, yeah, okay. <clears throat> I flushed a woman down the toilet. Uh, I'm just, no, I'm just wondering if like you wanted to be a comedian, oh, or no, you just wanted want, to be an actor. No, I didn't want to be anything at all. I had no plan. Um, I was, I just, I was a waiter, I worked on building sites, uh, it was about how one could buy weed, that was my focus, I didn't know what I wanted to do, I left school at 15, uh, I was I'm terribly dyslexic so I had no exams, and I was just happy 
messing around, getting into adventures. And somehow there was a thing in me that always said that it would be all right. Right, uh, right. Now, I've got two children, so if they, either of them were to come to me and said in the future, I, don't ask me how, but I just know everything's going to be all right. I'd have a big problem with that. <laughs> uh, so, were you always like the funny guy, though? Uh, yes, I think to my detriment. Funny and, uh, yes, okay, yeah, right. but because it took, because uh, it then takes you years to be taken seriously. Right, you know, right, yeah. it gets to a point where you can actually break awful news to people, and they laugh. Uh, you know, <laughs> and then you have to say, Do you, "No, really, uh, Lady Diana has died." You know, you have to get to a yeah. point where you have to say, no, no, I, I, I'm being serious. Right, right. Yeah. It's but kind it of annoying. It helps you in, in certain ways, though, because you can be so funny and you seem like, you know, the funny sidekick in Shaun of the Dead or whatever, but you had so many sweet moments throughout those yeah. three movies, like, yeah. especially Hot Fuzz. Yeah, I mean, you some really people say sidekick, so but you could also say comedy heart. <laughs> uh, but no, it wasn't. Right, but, but yeah, but I'm lucky that Edgar and Simon uh, write good things for me and right. then during the rehearsal periods we all come up with good improvisations and it all filters into the script you know right right brilliant sorry go ahead sorry yes. <laughs> hi um i'm a huge fan of tintin but oh, yeah. i i guess we're not going to get a sequel anytime soon uh if you could have another shot at doing another character like a sequel for that character which character would you choose um, a sequel for a character i think um and maybe the character I play in Paul. Yeah. I, I always oh, wanted to see them do, do more stuff. Right. Uh, and there was talk briefly of a second film and then maybe like a TV show, um, but it never kind of picked up pace. Right. I think sadly, Paul as an effect was incredibly expensive, like eight years ago when we did it. Right. Uh, I think that well, there was a joke on set that, and there even was a kind of draft that went around where within the first scene, Paul, as a character, said, hey, look, guys, I can do this. And he, and he holds his breath, and he becomes Will Smith. Because it would have been cheaper to have Will Smith <laughs> pretending to be an alien than actually uh, animating Paul as a character. Awesome. So it, it's just too expensive, I think. Yeah, but I sense. like those guys. You know, yeah. I see a lot of them here today. Not in the, just in the general right. populace. Right. Thanks, mate. Yeah, no, Paul was excellent. That was Thanks. so much fun. All the performances. Kristen Wiig in that movie. Oh, she's amazing. Just yeah. off the chains, right? Just nuts. Yeah. So it's great. Hi there. Hi. Um, hello again. Hello. Um, Feel free to tilt that down a bit. If okay, you I didn't know if I was allowed to touch it. That's good. <laughs> um, I know you encounter a lot of people when you go to cons, and um, you get a lot of questions. So I just want to know, what is the craziest or coolest interaction that you've had with a fan? <laughs> Um, and I crazy. really hope I'm not one of them. Oh, <laughs> I flushed one down the toilet <laughs> uh, in Albany. I've got to say, I mean, I don't think it's, there's, there's never a crazy... Everyone's kind of cool and fun and nice. And, you know, I think that the whole... They just sit and sign in stuff and then, oh, there's a predator. Uh, here's a giant Pikachu. You, essentially, you get numb to it, you know what I mean? Yeah. So I think if you weren't into things that we're all into and you were to come here, I think your mind would fall off. But to, <laughs> to be part of this, and I, li I like the fact that, you know, a massive robot holding a sonic screwdriver can, and the mishmash of a genre too is... Mm -hmm. I'm all, you know, nothing's, nothing's weird anymore, really. Okay. Apart from real life. Yeah, real life seems... Almost boring. It's horrible. I hate it. Thank you for your question. Yeah, no problem. Cheers. Yes, wonderful. How are you there? I'm excellent. How are you? Good, good. Good. Uh, I'm a huge fan of all of your movies. I'm a huge fan of the Blood Ice Cream trilogy. Um, I first saw Shaun of the Dead on a date and was not aware that it was a zombie movie. Oh. And I was extremely pleased, and she was not. Um, but I wanted to ask, my favorite thing about Shaun of the Dead is how the first half of the movie mirrors the second half, almost shot for shot. Right. And I was wondering, um, was that like the initial plan right from the get-go, or is that something that kind of developed as you went on? You're like, oh, wait, we need to add this and go back to this. No, I mean, everything we, we hardly ever did any reshoots or everything is planned out. Oh, everything, wow. Edgar has every single edit in his mind from the second 
he steps onto the, the set. So we don't shoot in sequence, we don't shoot in order. So there could be something that you shoot in week one, and then the next thing you do when you watch it on the film, the edit would be five weeks later. And so you can see Edgar saying, all right, so we need to pan off left because then I'll pan off, I'll come back on that way when we, so he has everything planned, everything is. Was there one of those moments when you were shooting where you noticed the, the parallel and you were like, oh my God, that was really cool. I don't give a shit. Oh, that's fair. <laughs> uh, no, that's Edgar's thing. That's fair. It's great, I love to watch it and it's, uh, you know, I get it and along with everyone else, I can watch it and think, oh, he's a clever little sod, yeah. you know. Right. Thanks so much. Thank you, cheers. I wonder if it's an English thing, but I, one thing I've noticed with Edgar and actually Guy Ritchie is they do have these certain scene moments in the movie where it'll be a collection of shots, you know, the quick shots, like, uh, yeah. you know, drink the shot on the plane, yes. go, and just like, cup of tea, ready, go. Yeah. And they both kind of use that te technique, <clears throat> and uh, it's kind of similar. I it's, don't know, I don't want to comment on it's that. It's brilliant, though. It's, <laughs> it's, I, I don't know if it's an English thing, but it's, uh, it's a brilliant way to do it. How are you? Hello, doing good. Hello. Huge fan of Hot Fuzz. Thank you very much. My question piggybacks off a previous one. There's never been a sequel to any of your movies. Is that on purpose? Did you just want it to be isolated, great time, and not yeah. go forward? Or? Yeah. I mean, the, the way we did it was the way it was planned. You know, uh, uh, Hot Fuzz is, is a sequel to Shaun of the Dead. World's End is a sequel to Hot Fuzz. Uh, you know, not in terms of characters, but in terms of tone and the fact it mirrors us as people growing and growing up and our relationships changing, you know. Yeah. So it was built as a three. And I just, you know, I just, to, 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 to now go back and put something, bolt something on top of that would make it feel weird and maybe it wouldn't make the original things feel um, as precious, potentially, as they do, you know. Uh, that said, if I got a big tax bill, yeah, I do Hot Fuzz too. <laughs> Thanks. I got cakes to flush, yo. They don't pay for themselves. Hey. Hello. Hey. Sorry. Uh, hi, how you doing? Uh, I just wanted to ask a question. If you could be in any of the superhero movies they're coming up with, which one would it be? If I could be in any superhero movies yeah. coming up? Yeah. Oh, I don't know. Uh, uh, something with a rhino in it. <laughs> <laughs> Something with a big guy, you know, I don't know. I don't know what's coming up. No, I just meant like if you wanted to be like Avengers Endgame or something. I don't know. It's, it's odd being a big man because there aren't many, you think superheroes could be bigger men, but it seems you need to be, you know, uh, you know just a muscular beef man. Uh, but, you know, th this, is, this is all muscular beef. <laughs> Some of it, a lot of it is. Uh, I don't know, you know. I'll have to have a, I'll have a think. No problem. Okay. I just want to know. Have a good <laughs> Thank one. Thank you. Thanks, mate. Thank you. How are you doing? Good. How are you? Uh, wow. big, big fan of the Cornetto trilogy, of course. I like how you showed your mic craft then, just by oh, yeah. rubbing it gently. Mm -hmm. Theater guys. So Thank I'm, you. I'm used to that thing. Um, uh, pattern for you, I noticed, was that in the first two Cornetto movies, your role is, you know, very much the comic relief, uh, very charming, goofy. But your role in The World's End is decidedly more serious, humorless, yeah. to, let, to let Simon Pegg be the goofy, you know, the sure. messed up one. Um, was that refreshing for you for a change of pace for the other two? Or did you, did you miss being the funny guy? Or what was that like for the world? Because the tone is so different in The World's End for um, no, what you've done. I loved it, yeah. I mean, we built it that way. I think, well, I don't know what the age difference is between like 13 years between doing Shaun of the Dead and World's End, maybe, 12 years. So, yeah, it was just kind of showing how much we'd all grown up and, and you know, I loved being that character and I love that point when he switches after that pub fight and you see him smashing those shots where you just realise, oh, something, something bad is going to happen right now, you know. Yeah. And it, I think the, the roles that we play in these films reflect who we have been as people, you know, I think, but people, I think it's one of the people say, oh, but you were Ed, and, but the fact is, you know, uh, we change. Sometimes Simon was Ed at home, and you know what I mean? We, we, as people, have been all of the characters we've played, 
uh, but not necessarily the characters we as individuals play. Well, weird answer. Uh, yeah, that sorry. Makes sense, makes sense. If you know what I mean. Yeah, I do, totally. You know, yes. you grow as people, you become different people as you get older and, yeah. you know. So it was satisfying, it wasn't like a too much oh, of a change. I loved it, yeah. Excellent. I didn't like wearing long trousers. <laughs> you know, like, and shirts and stuff, but it was, yeah, it was great. Thank you, sir. Thank you very much, cheers. Thank you. I got to headbutt James Bond. Are you kidding me? <laughs> yeah. Hi there. Hello. Hi, I'd like to say welcome to Philadelphia. Thank you for having me. Um, so my friends and I really loved Sick Note. I was wondering how your experiences were during the production of it and if there's going to be more. Oh, right, okay. Uh, I think Sick Note is on Netflix right now. I think you can right. get it. It's a, and, it's yeah. a, pic it's a, a picture. It's, not, it's a moving picture. It's a series <laughs> of moving pictures that have been spliced together to make a, a sitcom. Uh, it's Rupert Grint yes. and, and me, and he plays a young man who has a kind of awful life and he is misdiagnosed with inoperable esophageal cancer by me, who I play the worst oncologist in the world. And from the point he's diagnosed, his life suddenly becomes better. People start liking him, his girlfriend respects him. Uh, he gets like, he gets on at work more. People look at him through more sympathetic eyes. And uh, like there's a point a week into this story where I realize I've made a terrible mistake and he is in fact fine. Um, but the two characters make a pact that they're just gonna keep the lie going. Uh, but sadly, it just snowballs into this awful um, shit show. Um, uh, let's have a look at a clip. <laughs> oh, I got mixed up. Uh, so yeah, we shot it like a couple of years ago and I love it, I love shooting that show. They kind of let me improvise as much as I want and the guys who write it, James and Nat, are good friends of mine and we're writing a thing together and I like playing an older character, but I think I play a lot of working class idiots and like, you know, sloths. So to play someone who's, you know, a, a, a middle class doctor who's essentially losing his mind is fantastic. I think we've got lots of nice ideas for season three and each season that has gone on, my character just gets darker and darker, which well, is great to, to play as, a, as an actor, you know. Yeah. And right there is on. going to be a season three. Yeah, I hope so, I hope so. Well, long Excellent. answer, I'm sorry. That's, that's great, it's a great answer. Thank you so much. Thank you, sir. Appreciate it. Hello. Hello, how are you doing today? Good. Yes. Um, I've always enjoyed your shows and your movies and all that stuff, but I really had a great time with you when you were on Doctor Who as okay. Santa Claus. Uh, was there uh, anything special about that uh, when, you did, when you were there with uh, Peter Capaldi, and would you be willing to go back on to Doctor Who as oh. well? Yeah, I mean, if they will pay for my meals, definitely. <laughs> um, yeah, look, you know, watching Doctor Who on like a Saturday afternoon um, was one of the first memories of my childhood, you know. So to get to a point where we got an hour off between shots and Peter has engineered this hour so he can show me around the inside of the TARDIS and just show me what things do and I loved oh, it. It was amazing, man. you know. Man. And we just wandered around. It was incredible, you know. He's such a welcoming person, and, and he knew every button. He, he had a backstory for what every button did. And it was great, you know. And we came up with a story that the uh, Father Christmas himself is a Time Lord, and that's the only way you could possibly get to every child in, on the planet, you know. And enough room in his bag is his TARDIS. And what? His, uh, Santa Claus's bag that holds all the toys yes. is a TARDIS. That's it's like bigger on the inside. Yeah, exactly. yes. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. Thank you for your question, sir. Excellent. Thank you so much. Oh, there we uh, go. How are you? Bright young go-getter. Yeah. Um, when did you and Simon Pegg become friends? When did? Okay, so Simon Pegg and I became friends. Um, I was 23, so I'm 46, 47 now. So like 24 years ago, we became friends. And I worked in a Mexican restaurant as a waiter and his girlfriend were, worked there at the time and she kept saying to me, oh, you should meet my boyfriend, he's a stand-up comedian. 
and it took ages for us to, to meet. And finally, one night, we all went out after work to eat Indian food. And we were sat there, and I happened to say to Simon, will you pass me the salt, please? And he moved the salt across the table. And as he moved it across the table, he made the noise of a little droid in Star Wars. And no one in the world had ever made that noise to me before. And I didn't think anyone in the world knew what that noise was. And I looked at him and I knew at that point that we would be in love forever. <laughs> and that's when we became friends. And do you want to know what that noise was? Have you seen Star Wars? Okay, so in, when Chewbacca's got the, um, the handcuffs on and there's a little droid that comes up to him and it makes this noise. And then Chewie goes, and he goes, uh, and Simon made that noise as he pushed the sort across. And that was it. That's all it took. That's amazing. Thanks, <laughs> Thanks so much, man. That's great. How are beat, you doing? Beat that. I'm great. How are you? How are good. you? Uh, so we're done here because I, I okay. can't beat He's that. He's good. But, uh, yeah. Um, so, you know, obviously everyone here is a fan of you and everyone can say in it. Um, you, you've been able to, like, carve out a role for yourself, uh, um, you know, uh, make people like uh, let me sit over here for a bit because oh, okay. i can listen and then talk to okay. you guys for a while i feel um, bad i'm sorry <laughs> you've been able to like you know carve out a role and uh, uh become like noticeable but also people realize how you know uh, uh entertaining you are how uh, um how much you play well with other other people um is there someone that inspired you or 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 somebody that you look up to that pushes you to to be the kind of actor and comedian that you are um, oh, well, that is a good question. Hey, kid, you could learn us something off this fella. Uh, I don't know, I think uh, just, I've always tried to just be honest and say no to a lot of things and not do everything that comes along. I mean, it's, it's difficult to be, to keep your integrity as a performer uh, and, and have children and ex-wives. So it's crushing sometimes to think, if I say no to this thing, which will involve me dressed up as a giant sweet corn, or you know, as an example, yeah. and then it means that potentially I will have to sell my house in three months. It's, it's a lot to think about. It's a lot to take on board. So I just try and do my best, and I just keep going. I think that's the thing in this business, is just keep going. I mean, I look, there's a famous TV show at home called Only Fools and Horses. And it's a, a comedy. It's like the most popular comedy we have at home. And it's on all the time. And there's a character in it who you don't see that often, um, of like some East End villain. And it's Jim Broadbent. And he's like a 40-year-old man. And he just, he was there. He was at that point doing comedy. And, but he just kept going, you know. And eventually, I think... If you can survive, if you can outlive everyone else, people will look at you and think, hey, this guy's been around, he's pretty good. And you get your Tarantino Travolta moment where you suddenly come back round to being in vogue, you know. So I don't be a giant sweet corn. Be more like Jim Broadbent is like my mantra. Thank you, and thank, thank you, you for your work. Thank you. No, thank you. Cheers. Hey, how's it going? Hello. Good. That's good. <laughs> um, I guess my only question is, uh, is there an intellectual property that you really enjoy, like a book or maybe a comic book series, that if the role was there, you would just fight to like, be part of it? Oh, God, I don't, that's a good question. Um, well, I've, Simon and I just started our own production company. Oh, wow, that's awesome. And um, there's, has anyone ever read the books Rivers of London? Oh, one lady whooped a bit. Uh, <laughs> So they're incredible books. There's like seven, seven of them. And it's essentially about a young police officer in London, and it's his first day on the job, and there's a murder that he goes to investigate, and he questions uh, someone who has witnessed the murder, and that person happens to be a ghost. What? And it leads him down this weird rabbit warren where there's a branch of the Metropolitan Police which just happens to deal with the occult. Uh, and I loved it. I loved it. I loved it. And I always thought that that could be an incredible TV show, like a proper big 
yeah. you know, if you have money to throw at it. And so that's, I'd love to do that. Oh, thank you so much. Thank you. Cheers. Hello. Hello. Um, I'm a big fan, by the way. Thank you. Um, just wondering, what is your favorite scene to shoot in um, World's End? In what? My favorite scene to shoot in World's End. It, um, the, the scene, oddly, the scene where we had to shoot, do the shots of water, or there was water on the show, on the film. Um, I found myself getting, uh, what's that word? Like placebo drunk? <laughs> yeah, Sympathetically I, drunk? Yeah, I kind of did like, because we shot that so much, I think I did like 55 shots of water. And so if I wasn't in the toilet, I was thinking, oh, I feel, I feel hammered right now. So it was a kind of a weird placebo effect. But any fight you shoot in those things, like the fight in the toilet, oh, so where Simon knocks the, the, the blank's head off, that was 10 days to shoot. It took us ages in just a tiny little toilet. And all the, all the fights <coughs> took ages to shoot, but they were amazing. When I had to um, headbutt Pierce Brosnan's head off, that was great because I got to smell his cologne. Uh, and it was incredible. Uh, if you can imagine uh, how the seats of an old Maserati might smell in Italy, but someone's just peeled and eaten an orange. You can imagine that kind of wealth. That's what he smelled like. It was incredible. So I forget the question, but the answer is smelling James Bond. <laughs> Sorry, thank, you. thank you very much. Hi. Um... Hello. I guess my question is about uh, Pirate Radio. I, I did mention to you that was one of my favorite movies. And um, do you have any specific stories about uh, you and um, Felix Seymour Hoffman? Oh, um, well, you know, I was obviously in awe of, of, of Phil Hoffman. And um, it, it was, it's funny because when someone like Phil comes onto a set, it affects all the other actors in as much as you want to act good. <laughs> but you also want him to like you. And so there's a ripple, you know, when you see his number, because every actor on a call sheet has a number, character has a number. So when you saw his character number, like number six, it was like, hey, Phil Hoffman's in today. And like he came on to set, and it was Philip Seymour Hoffman, you know. And uh, I remember he had his script in this incredibly soft leather bag, and it had Phil Hoffman written on the front of it. And like mine was just like cloth-eared bits of paper. And he had his in a leather bag. It was kind of amazing. And I think we spent a lot of time chatting and having a good laugh. And, but the thing that kind of solidified the fact that I knew that we would get on is one day we were sat, him and I, uh, just like in a room waiting to do our scene. And I said to him, we hadn't talked, and I just got up and I said to him, hey, do me a favor, stop going on about your fucking Oscar. <laughs> and he looked and just, just started to laugh, and it was like, okay, you, you know, we're, we'll have a good laugh. But he's, he, was a, he was an amazing man, you know? Thank you very Thank much. Thank you, man. Cheers. Thank you. All right, uh, I think we just got a few minutes left for a few more questions there. We've got 55 more questions. <laughs> I'll try to be brief. Um, you, you mentioned the story about Simon and the droid sound, and then I know you did the reenactment of the first like few minutes on Tatooine. <laughs> and I know Simon was in Star Wars and John Boyega. Yes, I'm not going to be in Star Wars. Oh, Sorry. I was hoping you would be, but if you could be... No, unless like they bring back, they do a thing called The Chronicles of Young Jabba. <laughs> uh, well, and then that would answer the other guy's question about Super. <laughs> well, then I wouldn't have a role then, no. so I don't want like that. Uh, would you be a bounty hunter or... I know. Like I like watching too. them, if I'm honest. Fair you know, I, I'm a fan too, so I think to watch my. to see me in it. Oh! <laughs> you know, doing whatever. I think. I just watch that then. I don't watch the whole thing. And yeah. I think it would spoil it. Because I watched it. I watched that trailer, like the one that dropped two days ago. And I still was like, oh my god! So I'm a fan, so I don't want to see me in it. I don't want to ruin it for me. Fair enough. Thank you. Thank you. Hello. Hello. Um, in Hot Fuzz, how yes. was the scene with the swan? What? <laughs> in Hot Fuzz, when you had that scene with the swan in yes. the car, what was that like? Just like... Uh, the swan was, um, 
It was amazing. We had like three different swans. We had like a real swan, then there was an animatronic swan, and then there was just a neck with a head on, and like a man would lay out of shot and just wave the neck around. Um, yeah, it's a noble beast. Uh, they're very, they're very powerful too, as as very big birds. And uh, here's some history. Uh, only the queen can eat swans in Britain because every swan in the country is essentially hers. And so if you, as a commoner, were to catch and eat a swan, maybe you'd put its uh, neck in a baguette, um, you could actually be hung. So it's no laughing matter. <laughs> but yeah, that's, that's, that's swan, swans. Swans. Thanks. I wish that had a happier ending. Should we, is this the last one? Last one. Last, last one. question. Make it good. I'm a really big fan of Spaced. Okay. And uh, you got a lot of access to different weaponry in that show. I was wondering if, like, was that real stuff that you had, like, like an armor <laughs> off, off to the side, or did you, you uh, there were replicas, or what, what were they? Uh, yeah, we have an armorer. Oh, okay. And they're always really serious men. And now that you came to America, did you mess around <laughs> with any of them? No, I, no, I couldn't. Um, because Pennsylvania, we got tons of great ranges. Uh, do you? Yeah. This feels weird. It's a weird way to end the Q&A. Uh, <clears throat> I don't know if you're offering me something or threatening me. No, no. Um, Fun time. Uh, but, uh, yeah, no, you know, it's, it's nice to fiddle around with a big sword, but... Yeah. <laughs> which sounds... Right. That's a weird way to end it, too. All right. Um, All right. Okay. Thanks. Thank you so much oh, for hanging out with us much. today. So appreciated. Mr. Nick Thank Frost. You. Thank you. Thank you for coming. I really uh, appreciate uh, you coming and sitting here and listening to me talk shit. Here. <laughs>